0: entire time yeah yeah don't fucking be putting over under four minutes late out there i am right on time okay just changed to 101 p.m eastern time but we have a guest today not joining us from eastern time we have mr Corey bush from the fantasy stock exchange he's up there in canada he just moved from canada to canada he dented his wall uh moving a couch into his apartment but he's nice and settled in you can see the the nameth and it's kind of cut off in the background but we'll switch the uh We'll switch the camera angles and everything in a second because we're going to put a sleeper board in the background because today we are doing a Dynasty rookie mock draft. We're going to do a two-rounder. We're going to do uh, Superflex, and we're doing it based off of a mock draft on tankathon.com, which I have linked down below in the description. It should be the first link down there, but after that, we have a few other links. We have uh, links to Corey's social stuff, and we've got links to a couple of the products, but... We want to uh, we want to invite Corey onto the show, obviously. we want to welcome him. We want to talk to him. We want to cherish him while he's here. Corey this is your first time on the channel, I believe. Uh, so with that being said, welcome uh, everybody, make sure you go follow Corey on the, on the socials, YouTube, et cetera. What's going on?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm doing good. Like you said, we the couch that I if I showed you a picture of this couch and showed you the doorway that we had to get it into, you'd be like there's actually no fucking chance that you got that through. But somehow we did. I don't. I like we, we dinged a wall up. I, I messaged my landlord. I'm like, we're gonna need to putty this thing. Like it was impossible. We debated just buying a new couch altogether after we saw it.
0: Bro, <laughs> wait, what? After you already got it in, or you're just like you're at know, the front door? We, you're like,
1: after we got out of her place because her doorway was like much more open than mine, and we we're like we barely got out of her doorway. We we're like, how the hell are we gonna get this in the new the new place? But yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, like you said, uh, Twitter at Football Stock Fantasy Stock Exchange on YouTube. Um, these are fun. I mean, we do a bunch of these on our, on our channel as well. It's good to get a lot of practice breaking down the prospects from not just like a profile standpoint, but also like context to landing spot and, uh, draft capital and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. It's fun to do these like over and over again, especially as like the, uh, as the weeks go by, we'll get a little bit more and more information. This week is pretty much the last week of these, which I'm doing every Monday where we don't have athleticism combine information because this upcoming weekend, we have uh, Saturday, I believe, the quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Sunday will be the running backs. Uh, so we'll have the athleticism. We'll have the 40 time. We'll have all that kind of shit um, in, our, in our databases, whatever people out there are using uh, to, you know, help – move rankings up and down and mock drafts and stuff. And I think once the combine happens, that's when I think a, a large majority of dynasty players start to like look forward and start to actually look at the crop of players in this class. Because right now we're just kind of throwing shit against the wall, seeing what sticks. But it's fun to just, you know, poke your head out there and see what's going on in the in the dynasty world. And I know a lot of, a lot of people have fun doing this. Um, at this point, like we're kind of the only people that are really on top of things. So for right now, we're going to have this formatted uh, where you and me are kind of going back and forth. I'll have these sleeper draft board up in the background in a second, and uh, we'll just, you know, ding back and forth based on the mock draft rather than letting people in here because we don't want this shit to be tainted. We know, we know what y'all are out here trying to do, trying to ruin a fucking Monday morning. Um, I am I'm almost ready to go, but first, uh, I'd like to say that we've been working on our rookie draft guide behind the scenes. This is something that we've dropped each of the last, I, I think, like two or three years, and basically, we look at every fantasy-relevant rookie coming into the NFL this year. And we break down their entire prospect profile as it relates to fantasy football. We look at their film, we look at their stats, we look at their combine, we look at you know their landing spot where they uh, where they end up falling. What we think we should do with them in rookie drafts, uh, their their player comps and shit like that. Corey is one of the one of the dudes behind the scenes that is uh, doing a bunch of these rookie profiles for us, myself and Noah and um, and we go really really in depth on these and uh, they're a lot of fun to do. But we are wrapping up the first couple sections that we have the information for. So with Corey, I wanted to. Uh, break down some of the dudes for the rookie draft guide that you've been working on. The pre-order is available right now. You can go get a discount on bdge.co. That's also linked down below. So Corey, you, you did a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, you did a handful of running backs. Nope. Don't be doing that. Got my business insurance people calling me. Uh, shit. We're late for signing up for that. It's good to know. Uh, you did a lot of running backs. You did a, a lot of the quarterbacks and I don't want to dive into all of them because I think you did about 20 prospects. So we got a lot of shit going on there, but are there any dudes that after, diving into them uh for the rookie draft guide in particular that you are like oh shit you know like i'm i'm way higher on now that i've really dove into it or i'm kind of disappointed you know i was excited i heard a lot about this dude uh now i'm pulling back a little bit after going through the numbers etc so give us you know a, a couple dudes off the top that you're like okay i'm in on this guy
1: i wouldn't be a true canadian if i wasn't talking about the canadian running back from illinois chase brown um I graded him out separately, like for our own channel and stuff too. And as well as writing him up for the BDG draft guide, he graded as a top five running back for me. You know, obviously that could change if he you know, runs a four seven and, you know, gets drafted in the sixth round and and stuff. But I was really impressed with how complete of a game he had. He kind of like reminded me a little bit of like an Elijah Mitchell, Khalil Herbert, like can kind of do everything well, but not, you know, spectacular in any one area. Uh, he actually weighed in at the senior bowl. So we know how big he is five, nine and a half uh two fifteen was bigger uh, than I expected a little bit better BMI than I expected too. So I think he was listed like 511 205, which would have been a little bit more of a wonky size profile. So Chase Brown, definitely a guy that I was uh, a lot more excited about quarterbacks. Don't even worry about them after, <laughs> after the top four guys, maybe yeah. Hendon hooker if he gets decent draft capital, but they're all like 26 years old. They're probably not going to be that good. I would say the QBs are not, all that exciting outside of the main first round names that we've been hearing. And then uh, other running backs that I've seen that were pretty solid. I know you're, you're a big Kendra Miller guy. I know I liked what I saw from him as far as like a complete skill set on the ground. Uh, we were talking before we went live Dwayne McBride, who kind of opted out of combine testing. I think he's one of the better pure runners in the class, not going to provide literally anything on third down, but yeah. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. It
0: seems to be like all these dudes, Zach Evans, Dwayne McBride, uh, Kendra Miller are all like, Man, I like them a lot as runners, but they don't do a fucking anything when it comes to third downs, and it it feels like that's what we get a lot of years. Like, every class, it feels like there's just – it's like, oh, I like these guys on the ground, but they're just like runway runners, you know, like the Zamir Whites. Like, every year, they'll test well at the Combine, hopefully, but I think even those three dudes in particular, I think Evans, uh, McBride, for sure, out of the Combine testing, and I want to say Kendra Miller is not doing any testing at the Combine, yeah. too. So we have a handful of these dudes that are not going to test, and it's like – That doesn't do anything for us, but I mean, that will, I guess, uh, play its way into like draft capital as well. They don't test an NFL teams on all their athleticism, and then they'll probably drop down to fourth, fifth round translates into fantasy stuff.
1: Yeah, the the whole running back cluster in the uh, in the combine would have been nice to sort out because I know for me personally, like the way I grade these players, I have guys that with early third round and late third round and then and fourth round grades, I have like 14 running backs in that area of the draft. Uh, outside of Bijan, zach charbonnet and jameer gibbs they all pretty much fall into that area it's a deep class but it's not you know if you want a pure runner dwayne mcbride's your guy or kendra miller's your guy uh, sean tucker might be your guy you if you want you know a guy contribute on third down kenny mcintosh eric gray deuce vaughn like there's there's like tajay spears there's so many different archetypes of running backs you know pure speed guys devon a chain and all these dudes like it's pick your poison and i think the combine would have helped weed out some of those like talents uh, because they test poorly and vice versa. Uh, Some of them might test. Sorry, not to. As well.
0: Someone asked if it was a perm. I just, my, my hair is not working today. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, came right into the office. Yeah, but I, I agree. It's, it's a mix of like dudes who are going to fit into like specific schemes or roles at the NFL level for the most part. Is there anyone that you just like that most people at this time of the year are just so afraid to like, Make takes on players, unless it's like, oh, they're good. Is there any, uh, are there any players that you, you watched, you went through and you're just like, I'm out for sure?
1: So this one's going to be bad. People are going to hate this one. I think Devon A chain is a one trick pony.
0: Woo. Okay.
1: I think, I mean, he's clearly the fastest player probably in the entire draft. And that's how he builds most of his skill set out and how he's going to win at the NFL level. But I don't think you can win with pure speed the way he does, uh, or the way at least that he showed at Texas AM. I didn't see a guy that was all that good you know at creating elusive you know plays with ball carrier moves i didn't see a guy that's going to break contact his size profile is one that obviously is not conducive to fantasy running backs we've only had two guys since 2014 james white and danny woodhead finishes rb1s sub 205 and this guy we're talking potentially 185 190 as what he's going to weigh in so i mean i think a chain is a great like role player again i think he's going to go in like probably second third round of the nfl draft but from a fantasy perspective, I think he's going to probably go a little higher than I want to draft him because I do think of the the running backs, he might be the safest bet for draft capital and that might push him up the board.
0: Yeah. He feels like someone that, uh, he feels like someone that we should have learned a lesson on like 48 times already as it relates to fantasy and the people who fade him are going to be smart. But I, uh, I, I like Hane a lot, bro. I can't like I, I watch him. I, I think he's a good in between the tackles runner, but the chances of that translating at the next level, like an NFL coach seeing that and being like, "Yeah, I want him to do that at this level," are very, very small. Actually, I wanted to circle back to Chase Brown because he is one of the very, very few running backs in this class that I did not, um, I haven't watched yet because I can't find any fucking all twenty-two film on him, and I don't. I'm at the point now where like. I only really want to watch players if I can get all 22 film. Otherwise I feel like I'm kind of just throwing darts when it looks at YouTube stuff. Cause you can't see good angles on it. Uh, were you able to find all 22 on, on chase Brown?
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, I actually, so um, the, we get our film from the same spot. I actually requested chase Brown film, so it should be on the way. Uh, I'm in the tier that you can request. Wait, up dude.
0: <laughs> I was like that, that overwhelmed me. So me and uh, I, I subscribed to a Patreon that Ray put in, last like last uh last monday ray came on we did a mock draft and i was talking about all 22 also and he was like yeah go to caddy's Cutups on patreon it's like two dollars three dollars a month to get all this all 22 film so i did it i'm like oh shit let's go this is like on top of anything i had already and it's awesome and i saw that it was like you can request and that shit just like overwhelmed me because like the process already is like kind of crazy and a little bit like manual and i was like i don't know where to say it and i'm pretty sure it still takes like a couple weeks for you to get that uh but good yeah. to know let me know when the chase brown film hits
1: Yeah, I I requested some for Chase Brown. I requested some, um, I wanted some this year's tape for Tank Bigsby because that is another guy who I have ranked inside my top five right now who I would say I'm probably like a fan of at the moment because I think, much like Chase Brown, I think the guys that hit um, from a fantasy perspective are good all-around players that maybe don't, like maybe they're lacking like elite speed or something like that. And that's why like NFL teams and uh, fantasy, you know, dynasty players aren't super, super high on them. But like, I mean, we are talking about a guy at one time or another, was compared on the same level as B. John Robinson as a freshman. We were like, man, 2023 comes around, it's going to be B. John Robinson, it's going to be Tank. (laughs) He was like the second name out of your mouth. So, I mean, he has the pedigree. He played in an Auburn where they never had an offensive uh, line ranked better than like 90th in the country. Their whole offense as a whole, their quarterback play was terrible, wide receiver play was terrible, and Tank still, you know, year in, year out, was still like the best player on that team and still remained efficient. And this year, I mean, he – was one of the most elusive backs in the class and he's got a good size profile can contribute a little bit as a receiver. He's just not the most refined runner in the world. And I, I kind of, he's kind of Cam Akers. is kind of how he feels.
0: Uh, the, Yeah. I think I mentioned that on one of the, my recent videos too. It's like tank was a dude who I'm I'm not in Debbie leagues or whatever. So I remember hearing the name often. And I'm like, that's such a fucking elite name. There's no way he's not a top three back in this class, but I felt like I found myself watching him throughout the years. And I was under impressed uh relative to like how often you'd hear the name. And when I watched the film, I was like, okay, he's got some like good traits to him. When I dove into the numbers, basically exactly what you brought up, I was like, his numbers are wildly impressive. Like for what you see on film to the actual, you know, personal numbers to what he brings to the game outside of his offensive line, outside of his offense, he is a like a really good running back in terms of elusiveness, yard depth of contact, explosiveness, like you know, even like passing down work, he does enough in this class to be one of the higher regarded dudes in that uh, sense of things, So it's like, he's an interesting one where I don't, I don't feel myself getting like too high or too low on him. I'm just going to like take his draft capital kind of where it comes, take his landing spot where it comes. And that's where I kind of fill in like 90% of the running back class this year, because you said, like you said, you know, the elite traits are kind of elusive in this, uh, in this class. Um, So with that being said, are you ready to mock sir?
1: I am sorry. I thought I was safe to take a sip there
0: fucking hell no no water no hydrate we actually ran out of water jugs in our office because like uh we get these we get them delivered right and there was a point during the uh summer where we were ripping through them like five or six a month and we just on the first of every month we would forget to um we would forget to put them out for like when they deliver them they take some back and we, we did we forgot to do that for like six months in a row so we have like 45 of them just like sitting in our kitchen area and we're like okay cool like we'll stop ordering them because I think we have like so many. God damn it, Brett. Stop texting me. Um We have so many I'm sorry. I don't know, shut the fuck up. I don't even remember what I'm talking about anymore. Let it's me talk about shit. water
1: jugs. I don't know. Get sexy pats to take them to Costco and fill them up or something.
0: That's what I'm saying. We just put a Costco order through. If anyone has never had the Kirkland premium vanilla ice cream from fucking Costco, oh my God. It's so oh, good. Oh, it's a right. <laughs> Dude, it's so good, I swear. Uh president invite. Share screen. Let's get sleeper on the board. All right. We have the four rounds. Uh, Again, we are doing this based off a mock draft, a three-round mock draft. So it does not go into the fourth round. There was like six running backs picked. So if your favorite running back does not get drafted, it's because he's not good enough to get drafted within the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, the link to that mock draft is down below. So if you are watching this on multiple screens, you can open the mock draft up on one screen. You can open this up on the second screen and follow us along. Corey, do you have a preference on uh, the 101 or the 102?
1: I'm a Texas fan, so give me the 101.
0: Oh fuck! I knew this was gonna happen.
1: <laughs> you better watch the uh, the wows too. Each pick, they're gonna they're gonna go off. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hold on a sec. I knew this was going to happen because I always forget how to like make the draft settings correct in here. Uh, 60 seconds, QB auto. I believe it is, yeah. 30 minutes. All right. You have 30 minutes to make your first pick.
1: Yeah. I think I can, I think I can make a pick in that time. All right. Bijan's an absolute
0: alien. Okay. So you're taking Bijan real quick based on the mock. If you have the data up, let's just say what round he gets picked, you know, draft spot, draft capital, all that shish.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's actually hilarious that he got drafted to my favorite NFL team from my favorite college team. Um, Texas running back B. John Robinson uh, went 19th overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this mock draft. Absolutely horrible pick for the Tampa Bay Bucs. I would lose my shit if we actually did this in real life. But from a fantasy perspective, you go to a team with an offensive line that's probably still above average in the league, and uh, you got an absolute alien of a running back with a complete skill set, probably gonna test like a freak athlete. It's it's the easiest pick at 101. I know, you know, some people are floating out the idea like, well, what what happens if, you know, Bijan slips a little and you know, Bryce goes to a great landing spot or Anthony Richardson blows up the gym, blows up the combine. Do we have this debate at 101? I don't think so. This is this is a guy that's immediately the top of his position in dynasty, has the most trade value of any running back in dynasty right now. If you don't believe me, go try and trade for the 101. Um, so for me, Bijan 101, there's pretty much nothing outside of him sliding out of round one uh, that could happen in the NFL draft that would make me think otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. This is like my least favorite landing spot for him almost in the first round. I, honestly, there are... <laughs> There are enough, yeah. There are enough bad landing spots actually for Bijan Robinson. I've gotten nervous in some of these mock drafts, but going to the Bucks. I mean, no matter where he goes in the first round, he becomes the guy immediately. Their situation is ugly. Like the run blocking was bad last year. Obviously, Brady's out of the picture. Uh, just their running backs were wildly inefficient. So it's not like a great setup. I could honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted to the Bucks if that ends up happening, and he has like a. Uh, you know, like a Le'Veon Bell or like a Melvin Gordon rookie year where he like disappoint maybe has like three or four rushing touchdowns ends up getting all the work like 1200 yards from scrimmage would be disappointing, but by like year two, three, he'll be a top three fantasy back. So there's nowhere else to go um, besides right there with the 102. I am going to take Mr. Bryce Young. He goes second overall and the first quarterback overall in this draft to the Houston Texans. This seems to be like a resounding um, majority of, of the mock drafts that we see so far. If the Bears end up trading back that first overall pick, there's a good chance that whoever is jumping up there is taking a quarterback at 101. They'll have their guy. In my eyes, Bryce Young is in a tier kind of – I don't know. At this point, I, I'm i starting to get more and more in the group of like Bryce Young in a tier by himself. I just think he plays the position a lot better than the other guys. I think the other guys have – good, high-quality traits to them. But I think Bryce Young is a dude who, like, if you surround him with the right pieces, he is going to be probably the best quarterback for the longest amount of time um, in this class. So I'm I'm just really with Bryce Young. I think he has, like, great pocket awareness. I think he can deliver the ball extremely accurately, short, medium, long if he needs to. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild there in Houston. But give me Bryce Young, 102.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah kind of summed it up pretty well, where he was like, um, "Bryce Young has three elite traits: like pocket presence, playmaking, and like poise under pressure." And for what it's worth, I mean, he's a small quarterback, but the fact that he's that good under pressure is like just shows you how much of a baller the dude is. And like even some of the like non you know mobile quarterbacks of the last couple years that have been great fantasy assets like Joe Burrow and like Deshaun. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a little bit more mobile than Bryce Young, but those guys have the same kind of traits. To them even though they're like bigger quarterbacks Than what Bryce Young is going to represent So for me yeah, I I have him in a tier of his own as well I do think Houston Again we, we'd prefer him to go maybe to a different team With a little bit better pass catchers and stuff like that But I think they'll probably do a decent job Building around him and we're going to probably talk about The guy that they added around him in a second um, uh, To you know Surround their young quarterback and I think the scheme That uh, that the, the Niner staff that's coming Over there is is really good for Bryce Young Get him out of the pocket and on the move and stuff
0: yeah, um, you're up at 103. What are we doing?
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go CJ Stroud. Um, I think Anthony Richardson may end up being the consensus 103 after the combine, just given that he's he. We never see QB say, "I'm gonna do everything." Like I'm gonna.
0: I don't even think it's gonna be after the combine. Like no one's gonna be surprised when he rips the fucking combine when he throws one of those balls like 80 yards downfield and then he goes runs like a four or five forty. No one's gonna be surprised. What what I think the sentiment more so has been like we were all a little bit weary of like where he's going to get drafted. And now you're just seeing report after report after report. We're like, okay, Richardson's going to be a top 10 pick. Oh my Richardson's odds of being the number one overall pick. have been like moving up and up and that's probably not going to happen, but I think it just goes more, more towards the point of like Richardson's going to get picked, not very far behind any of these other quarterbacks. So then it becomes like a, you know, who do you like? Who has the fantasy upside? Who's the landing spot? Do you like And If it's like, okay, for a while it was Will Levis one Oh three for me or the QB three for me for Sure. But like if Richardson's getting picked one spot, two spots, three spots behind him, give me Richardson over Levis all day.
1: Yeah, I I was pretty much once I actually graded these guys, I was pretty much on the on the the train of that Richardson should absolutely go ahead of Levis in the draft, because when you take two quarterbacks that are both like, you know, under construction, so to speak, they're not necessarily complete (laughs) uh, products yet. Give me the guy that's younger for starters, like, like the guy that is, you know, a one year starter versus a multi year starter. I think there's more meat left on the bone for Anthony Richardson and two he has the higher ceiling if he does hit. So it makes a lot more sense. But I mean, CJ Stroud's actually the pick I made. CJ Stroud uh, to the Colts, I think that's the best possible location for him because there. I mean, in theory, he should have a good offensive line. They, they're paid like a good offensive line. He has a good running back behind him and he has at least one good receiver. They'll probably add some pieces. I actually think Stroud is is the probably has the best like refined arm talent. Obviously the most tantalizing arm talent is Anthony Richardson, but like the guy that's going to throw it the best on target most accurately, it's probably C.J. Stroud. And he like there's a the scouting adage, adage is like if you see it once, then he can do it again. And you saw it in the Georgia game that he can move. He can get outside the pocket. So I, I've grown a little bit higher on C.J. Stroud than I initially was. I put out a thread when I first watched him that I was like, I can't draft this guy in the top five. But now that I realize it, I'm like, you know what? This guy's a pretty complete prospect right now. And if we saw it in more games, it wouldn't even really be a conversation point. He would be the clear 103.
0: Yeah, well, I think that, like, I I get that scouting phrase, but I also think of it the I'm kind of on board with the other way. Like if you're not someone who's doing it consistently, then I don't really like longevity to me is just as important as anything else. Otherwise you're only looking at small sample sizes and small sample sizes almost never play themselves out. Like the way that the sample size actually presents itself. So it's like, I'd rather see that consistently, but I get it. Like his arm strength is there. His, uh, his arm just in terms of like pure talent is, is as probably safe as any quarterback in this draft class Um, going to the Indy Indianapolis Colts. Like you said, it's like a, It's a good enough supporting cast. It's probably a better supporting cast than almost any of these other landing spots that these quarterbacks go to. Um, So he goes off the board fourth overall with my fourth pick or the fourth pick in this draft. I'm going to take who we were just talking about and uh, Anthony Richardson goes to the Panthers with the ninth pick he is the fourth quarterback off the board so we have will levis going at uh, let me pull up the board here so will levis goes here seven to the raiders and we have richardson going here nine to the panthers and like i said the only real reason i think you take levis over um a guy like anthony richardson whose fantasy upside is unbelievably high is if the draft capital is like around apart 25 picks apart something like that where you're like you're not really sure when or if anthony richardson is getting on the field if he's the ninth overall pick he's getting on the field quickly very very quickly and this is a panthers team in rebuild they have some weapons on offense they're starting to build their offensive line it's like kind of an exciting young team they're definitely still like a year or two away from really being a competitive team but by the time richardson is in place as the quarterback they'll be a pretty good team and this is a terrible uh division as as it stands right now and like uh this is this is no brainer for me if this is how the draft capital works out
1: yeah yeah i don't blame you there i probably would have gone in that direction as well this is like 105 pick. You could probably go in a, du- a number of different directions. I, if I actually owned this pick in a dynasty rookie draft, I would probably dangle the carrot of Will Levis to somebody. Cause I personally will probably not select him. Um, given what I thought of him on film and given what, um, you know, he represents as a seventh overall pick, he can probably net you a decent package in return. Even if you just wanted to move down a few picks and, and select a different player. I think that's always kind of my policy. Like I, my highest rated player here would be Jameer Gibbs or Jordan Addison and looking at the landing spots. I mean, Addison went 25th overall to the Jaguars, which is not, you know, the most open receiving core in terms of like receiving uh, talent there. They already have Christian Kirk. They already have Calvin Ridley. So that's target competition wise. You'd have to be a little concerned, but I think um, I would still be comfortable making that pick. And then Jameer Gibbs going to the dolphins. He falls out of the first round. He falls just outside the top 50 as well, which is not ideal. We'd rather him go in the first round. Um, but I think I love the landing spot too much to pass up on Jameer Gibbs here. Like that is money. Like Tua Tonga Valoa is not a, a mobile quarterback, right? And We have to assume at this point that they're probably going to stick with him. And you add so much more speed to that offense out of the backfield with Gibbs, and Gibbs can can give Tua a a you know a, a safety valve out of the backfield. And Gibbs is not going to be the type of dude to get you know twenty five touches a game anyways. So put him in an efficient high powered offense like Miami, I think is probably, I mean, ideally he goes in the first round, but I think this might be like a 99th percentile landing spot for Jameer Gibbs and his skill set.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm I'm having a little bit of trouble getting behind Gibbs this high, especially like if his draft capital is outside of the top 50, but like Miami's an offense where they just get their best playmakers in space. And that's what get at the end of the day. That's what Gibbs is. He's not like a pure great runner, but he's a playmaker. And if you're giving him 13, 14, 15 touches a game, in space in an offense where like teams can't key on him when they have Waddle, when they have Tyreek Hill, I can, uh, I can get behind that. I will be the sucker here that takes Will Levis. And this is one of those like, you know, like him, don't like him, whatever. It's just not one I think too hard about. If you're going to get top 10 draft capital, how many dudes that look like Will Levis that play like Will Levis that came out with a prospect profile that was as inconsistent as Will Levis's Have we been wrong on over the last five years that I'm like, He's a top 10 quarterback. He's going to be starting for the next two, three years, probably. He is someone who played for you know four years. Um, his junior year statistics were really good. His senior year statistics were very good right before he suffered a high ankle sprain. And then he got into the teeth of the SEC defenses coming off that high ankle sprain, which made his numbers dip down dramatically. Does it mean that, like what we saw in film, the inconsistencies were not real? Obviously not. He's probably uh, a player that needs to get a lot better. But going to the Raiders, you do have a one like Devontae Adams off the rip. So uh, again, top ten quarterback in a super flex league, like these are the types of, uh, you know, these are the types of pieces on your team you want to stockpile. And then if he does hit a couple games, whatever, you can you can get off him if you want to. But I, I'm not really going to overthink a top ten quarterback here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit more. You know, wary of Levis, just given the fact that he's as old as he is and hasn't quite developed. I mean, he showed a lot of things that you like to see. You know, the toughness uh, of playing through the injury and playing with a bad team. You you saw it on film. He was just getting his ass kicked every game. Um, yeah, a- I
0: feel like that's like uh, when you got to start off with like this quarterback showed everything we need toughness like when that's when that's the number one trait you're like ah maybe maybe if i want to go with a toughness guy i'll I'll draft like a center or a linebacker or some shit like that maybe maybe i want my quarterback to be like accurate have a strong arm or something like that and he does he does have a very 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 strong arm but uh yeah i mean those are the he has a lot of intangibles that you like to see but we definitely need more uh consistent accuracy out of Levis.
1: yeah especially down the field he was not accurate at all uh Mm -hmm. down the field especially this year so yeah i mean mcdaniel's uh offense is pretty tough to learn and supposedly he's a smart quarterback as well so maybe that plays into it and why this would be a fit for him so i i don't hate the i don't hate the fit i would probably just dangle the pick and sell it uh personally if it was me um so i am gonna go jordan addison who is my current wide receiver one i believe he's your wide receiver one uh if I'm not is. mistaken, as well yeah, and, b-
0: and based on these landing spots and and uh capital and stuff he would have been my one in this class too i think
1: Yeah, none of these guys really go into elite landing spots. I mean, QJ goes the highest at 12th overall to the Texans. We get JSN going 23rd to the Ravens, which I don't think anybody wants a receiver going there. And then Jordan Addison goes 25th overall to the Jaguars. While a great landing spot, you're tethered to a great quarterback, a great young quarterback. You do have to compete for targets early on. It's kind of this kind of would remind me close to the C.D. Lamb Dallas Cowboys landing spot where everybody was really scared of the the competition. But at the same time, I trust the player. I know he can separate all three levels of the field. It's
0: interesting because he's like a young version of Calvin Ridley right now. You know, it's almost like a secure. It, it, I mean, it's a situation where it's like you've got your elite young quarterback on a rookie contract and it's like don't overthink like oh we already have enough wide receivers It's like you can never really have enough wide receivers case in point the Dallas Cowboys where it's like one thing goes wrong you're down to one playmaker basically the position it's like you stockpile as many amazing weapons for your young talented quarterback like Trevor Lawrence as humanly possible during his rookie contract, because you're not going to be able to pay all of them when all is said and done. So honestly, I don't I don't really imagine it happening. I think they need help on the defensive side of the ball, but like this is low-key kind of a really nice landing spot for a dynasty wide receiver.
1: Yeah, three wide receiver they play three wide receiver sets like 85% of the time in Peterson's offense too. So all three of these guys are going to be on the field. I keep seeing them getting mocked tight ends and stuff like that. I would much rather them take a wide receiver. If I was Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, or if I had Trevor Lawrence in dynasty or something like that, I'm so, yeah.
0: surprised they haven't resigned Ingram. Like I know he wants to play back there. And yeah. I know there's like a lot of people that are like, yeah, kind of get rid of him and address other positions. But I mean, he was for someone that they just signed for a one-year deal. He was like dynamite at the tight end position. I'm, I feel like Trevor Lawrence should be in the front office, like pounding the fucking table, like get my guy back, you know? Cause I mean, for whatever price he's granted, like don't use a first round pick on a guy when you could just have the guy that already knows your offense that already just proved that he could do it in your offense with your quarterback makes no sense to me that shit
1: yeah especially when that position notoriously takes a couple of years to develop too. like there's no real reason if you need a blocking tight end because ingram can't block draft one in the third or fourth round or something like that to go yeah, along it's a deep,
0: with the deep class
1: yeah exactly it's a very good class according to most of these nfl scouts so yeah uh, addison would be the pick for me there and then you're up on the board here one
0: yeah, this is a tough one, too, because it's like I like Smith and Jigba more than I like Quentin Johnson, I think, just as a prospect and as a player. But I do not like JSN going to Baltimore. I don't really trust the landing spot. It's not high enough volume, I think, for a player like him who's going to operate so much out of the slot for me to. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Quentin Johnson here and grab him at the 107. 108. I got to you got to put Addison
1: on the board still, too.
0: You're right. I was trying to, I was trying to sneak Addison away there, see if I can get him at the 108. So I'm with Quentin Johnson. Now he's 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 a player unlike one that we've seen like really really hit at the next level. Extremely long, extremely lean, extremely lanky, but wildly quick, twitchy for a dude that's that tall. He can move, man. He can fly. I'm excited to see him at the combine. He makes plays downfield, but he's also someone who could like be. He, he's almost got that like Mike Evans type slant to him where it's like, oh, he's got a build that big probably shouldn't be able to get that much separation or that many, like, he shouldn't be able to come down with all those contested catches on plays like slants, but he's so quick twitchy, he gets off the line really quickly, and I just kind of like the idea of pairing Quentin Johnson up if he goes at 12 with Bryce Young, first, uh, first-year first quarterback, and, like, letting them develop together, and you basically say, if you're taking Bryce Young at two and then Johnson at 12, it's like, here's my QB one, and here's your wide receiver one of the future as well, where it's like, you don't really know what's going to come I mean, JSN will be the wide receiver one likely there. Bateman comes back. Andrews is weapon number one there. They're very run heavy. So I don't love the landing spot there in Baltimore. So I'm kind of just going to like, this is definitely more of a gamble play. And I think in the same way that you said you were like dangling the pick for Will Levis, I might dangle the pick here because there are a lot of dudes that even after uh, Johnson, I have kind of in the same tier. Like I had Johnson, I was looking at um looking at Smith and Jigba I was looking at maybe this is where I was looking at Gibbs you obviously took him off the board but even like Zay Flowers early second round going to the Panthers is a guy that I might look at in the same tier uh and kind of see what kind of draft capital if I can move you know the 10 uh the 108 for the the 111 plus the 202 or something like that I'd be more than happy to kind of do that in this spot
1: yeah I mean this this whole area of the draft is going to start to blend together in a second probably because there's not a whole lot separating these guys. I, I I think QJ probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me going to the Texans. Cause I mean, not that you're going to like stop Nico Collins from getting uh <laughs> yeah. player on your team, but like, he's that kind of archetype or wide receiver. And you have Mechie you a slot guy to me, Addison uh, would make the most sense if they went with a wide receiver in the first round at that 12th overall pick. And I'm kind of hoping to see Addison paired up with Bryce young. Cause they're like two of my favorite prospects in the entire draft. So yeah, I would say that would be the direction I would go, but you know, maybe they, they see something on, yeah. film with QJ obviously this is all hypothetical so um, I'll, I'll bite the bullet I'll take JSN here uh, Baltimore Ravens not a great landing spot uh, like you said there's some target competition but at the same time I think this is the type of receiver that Lamar Jackson has been kind of waiting for and if Greg like we got to also remember Greg Roman is gone and they're planning at least to implement a more pro style offense with Todd Munkin so I mean Todd Munkin if for those of you guys that don't remember he kind of de- helped develop Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay before he went off to uh, I think Cleveland and then he went off to Georgia so I think if we have a more like over the middle funneled offense with Andrews and JSN it would actually fit Lamar Jackson's skill set very well if he's back in Baltimore of course there's kind of like rumors that is up in the air in terms of his contract situation but I again I'm kind of just trusting the prospect profile with JSN here first round draft capital Bateman while he was a great prospect in his own right it has you know struggled to stay healthy and and hasn't proven a ton in his first two seasons so far so to me I'm just going to trust I have these guys rated all similarly Addison, QJ, JSN I think his landing spots the worst of the three but I still think he belongs to go like I'm not going to just suddenly take inferior prospects ahead of him just because he had a bad landing spot
0: yeah, no, I mean, there's no other move to make besides going with JSN there. Cause then you get into like the group of tight ends who went first round. It's like do you really want to take a tight end at the 109 in a super flex draft. Like that's crazy for someone who's not like a Kyle Pitts level of at least like being able to trade for in that scenario. So now you start to dip into second round wide receivers there's only one other second round running back left and that's uh, Devon a. Chain at the Bills 60th overall pick and it might seem appetizing at first but it's like the Bills just don't fucking use their running backs man like I don't know if I want a starting running back in the Bills offense anywhere this early in draft so I'm looking at these second round wide receivers we have Zay Flowers we have Jalen Hyatt we have Josh Downs let me bring them up on the board real quick for you guys yeah, so we hit like this 40th pick, and that's really where they start to, you know, rip off, and we have the middle of this draft here. I'm going to take Zay Flowers, and listen, I'm not usually the sucker that looks at Twitter pictures, and I'm like, oh, this dude's actually making progress. Did you see the picture today of Zay Flowers gaining 13 pounds?
1: Uh, I did see the picture, and uh, I'm usually not a sucker for those two, so I, I probably still won't buy in on uh, on Zay Flowers. I feel like um, he's kind of one of those receivers every year that somebody throws out Antonio Brown's name, just compare him to the greatest. <laughs> foot wide receiver to ever play yeah, football. Yeah,
0: like Sky Moore last year. He does feel a little bit like that guy this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I would have went Josh Downs just because I think Josh Downs is a better prospect than Zay Flowers, and they have a similar skill set. But I, I, they're like neck and neck there. Like that second tier receiver with you know Zay Flowers and Jalen Hyatt and Josh Downs. If you want to throw a bootay in, in there still as well, I think actually the official pronunciations came out, and it actually is booty. Apparently, it is booty yeah it is booty it's his real name so that's that's something we'll have to to chew on for the next couple uh weeks.
0: we're gonna gonna be chewing on that booty man yeah i I, uh listen with flowers like i like the prospect a lot i do worry that he's one of those dudes that like people start liking so much that we just start overemphasizing everything he does he is a, a phenomenal route runner he does a lot of things well he does have the antonio brown uh, trait in that like his ball control His body control on the sideline for someone Being that small is really 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 good does he have Problems separating at some points versus like Press coverage because he's got a smaller build Yes but I actually I want to bring Up this this tweet uh, Because most most of the ones that like blow Up that like look crazy Um Feel like you know it's just like lighting, but there's like very significant difference here. And I don't know how much a month, two months, but like you look at the arm, like the arms, the forearms, like he got a lot thicker, 13 pounds in probably a month or two. And I'm like, that's not normal because you can't really put that much muscle on without putting a lot of fat on in that short amount of time. But if Zay Flowers is going to come in at 185, still be able to run like a you know four four five, four four two or whatever, I'm going to be looking at him a little bit differently. I think his longevity in the league, someone as 170 versus 183, like. I think you're looking at a little bit of a different player, a stronger player, someone who can kind of get through press coverage if you need to. And we're looking at, you know, a naked man's titties right now on the stream and really like making a push towards why I want to draft that player. But again, go to the Panthers. Anthony Richardson just got drafted there. Let's link up our young wide receiver. And uh, it's actually a weird fit because I guess DJ Moore and Zay Flowers, are they just got a bunch of the same players like doing the same shit. Whatever. Bro. Zay Flowers, he's my fucking pick. Your pick.
1: Yeah. I mean, he looked a lot happier in that second picture too. Same, smile.
0: dude. I guess I thought steroids were supposed to get you mad.
1: Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think this is the range where people are going to have their guys like from one ten to like two oh five or whatever. So for me, my guy is Josh Downs, who I think is um, the like best that. prospect on the board. When you if if Josh Downs was six foot three, two hundred pounds, we could be talking about a a, a numbers prospect profile that is borderline like elite prospect territory. We're talking about a guy that was productive. His entire college career as a freshman, had like 150 targets with Sam Howell, 38% target share as a true sophomore last year. Obviously, Drake May, a great quarterback prospect coming out in 2024. He had another great season again. If it wasn't for this dude's size, I think he'd be legitimately in the discussion for wide receiver one in this class. And I still think, you know, we're talking about another one of these dudes every single year, Jahan Dotson's, Elijah Moore's that are just productive as hell good on film they can pretty much do mostly everything well except people are going to undervalue them because they're probably slot receivers at the next level which is what you're going to get with Josh Downs and Green Bay actually I think is a pretty awesome landing spot for him too because Watson on the outside is going to command probably a lot of attention downfield because of his speed and it could allow Josh Downs to be like obviously Rodgers is probably gone but he could be like the new kind of like Randall Cobb of this offense with with Jordan Love who's a young quarterback will probably want an easy target who can get open quickly like Josh Downs
0: yeah I, th- I think the reason I had Downs as my next receiver after Flowers and I kind of just like it was more surface level landing spot like oh Green Bay it's, you know Jordan Love we don't know what we're getting out of him they already have Christian Watson Romeo Dobbs will probably probably play a bigger role do they resign Alan Lazard because they said they're trying to so it's like Josh Downs is for sure one of the most fun prospects to watch in this class. He's one of the, he's got like, he really has, you know, it's such an overused phrase, but he's got that fucking dog in him. He's, he's one of those dudes that like, he is smaller, but if you're throwing him the ball over the middle, he's coming down with it. His his contested catch rate was number one in the NCAA. Like this dude, anything that's thrown his way and he's athletic and he's, and he's spry and he like, he could separate. He's a great route runner. Uh, I would be surprised if he fails at the next level, if he's not like a really, really solid player for whoever gets, whoever ends up picking him. Uh, I would be really, really surprised. He is a a super fun player that I really, really um, suggest everybody go check out. Now, I have a decision between two players that I really, really like right now. And I'm going to go with my guy here. I don't know if I would actually do this in a real draft, to be honest with you, but I'm going to take tight end Dalton Kincaid, who was a first-round pick in this draft. And I actually tweeted something out like last week. Where I said, like, not to be dramatic, but the Cincinnati Bengals need to draft Dalton Kincaid with the 28th overall pick. And that's what happens in this draft. He's not even the first tight end off the board. Michael Mayer goes 18th to the Detroit Lions, um, but Kincaid goes 29th to the Bengals. And Kincaid, in my opinion, is, you know, without a doubt, in my opinion, that's 100% correct. The best receiving tight end in this class. This dude legitimately just looks like a big wide receiver playing the position. He led the country in receiving receptions, receiving yards. He played one year of high school football and then uh, walked on to San Diego. And then by year two at San Diego, they were offering him scholarships to Utah, led the team in touchdowns first year there, second year there, led the country in receiving. Like this dude, his uh, trajectory as a tight end is nothing but just like skyrocketing he is someone that like I want on every one of my teams I, I truly believe he's gonna be the next like really really good pass catching tight end um of the future when it comes to fantasy which I know is like few and far between and it's almost impossible to actually hit on dudes but you go to Cincinnati too where they're probably gonna lose Hayden Hurst uh, who knows what's going on with T Higgins but like attach it ain't that hard to think about a great pass catching tight end attach him to Joe burrow like no more I'm
1: good yeah, I feel everybody's um, everybody's really uh, wise to the whole like tight end position being overvalued in rookie drafts talk because everyone people some people are like, oh, you know, Kyle Pitts was overrated, even though I still think he's highly valuable in dynasty leagues. Um, you know, we are we were all promised these elite tight ends with TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant and mm-hmm. all these in recent years. So people are a little skeptical about these first round tight ends and kind of rightfully so. I'm I'm on the same page as you. Dalton Kincaid was like the highest PFF receiving tight end in the country this year. And the second highest one was the guy I'm about to take here with Michael Mayer. Um, And Michael Mayer has the prospect profile of like an elite wide receiver prospect where he was highly productive as a true freshman sophomore year breakout. Like everything about Michael Mayer is like hit, hit, hit the type of um, range that he's in, in terms of his like trajectory as a player got better every year. PFF receiving grade got better every single year. Target share went up every single year to me, Michael Mayer going 18th overall to the lions. I mean, probably a, a weird pick by them because they just traded away a tight end and TJ Hawkinson. That um, shit
0: will never make sense to me, like why they just did that out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guess you don't want to pay the guy, but I mean, I'd rather pay a tight end, a franchise tag number that's like 10 million than have to spend a 18th overall pick on a replacement tight end. But either way, I think he'd be a great fit for the offense. It's a pass-heavy offense. Jared Goff would probably lean towards him. Um, and because he got so much better every single year of his college career, I don't think I'm going to be shocked if he comes in and produces pretty well early on, even like a Pat Fryermuth plus type of like rookie season out That's of the guy. And I think everybody's like, expecting him to be an awful athlete too. And I, I think he's closer to Mark Andrews athletically than he is to like Cole Komet.
0: Interesting. Yeah. He's not even a dude that I'm like worried about athletically. I think as long as he's not like a 4'9 guy, I'm, I'm not worried about what he's doing. He's so well-rounded. He's going to come in there and be like one of those – He's a perfect fit for the Lions if they do go his way because he is someone that will come in and he's he's a great fucking run blocker. He's he's great on all three downs, which is why I understand the replacement for Hawkinson to Michael Mayer makes uh, a lot of sense. But he's also a really good pass catcher. And it's like, you know, what's crazy is like when you when you watch, uh, and I talk. I think tomorrow's video that I've I've already filmed and I think Tony's editing right now is literally dedicated to just Dalton Kincaid. I made it like last week. And I was talking about how when you watch tight ends like prospects for the most part. It's almost like you know how like we're so bad at at drilling down on quarterbacks and really knowing who's going to be successful. Like ninety nine percent of tight ends look like every tight end you've ever watched on film. When it comes to college, bro, it is tough. There are very few times where you actually watch somebody and you are like, whoa, they jump off the screen to me. Kincaid was one of those dudes. Michael Mayer just seems very well rounded. It seems like he's going to be a Pat Fryer move, someone who's like comes in, gets the receiving workload like immediately, and you are not really worried about his future because he's so involved in the offense. But that's what it is. Like a lot of these tight ends go to the combine. And they test so highly. But even when you watch them play, they still feel a little bit robotic. Like, they're really good at running a straight line really, really fast. But they're not very smooth athletes, right? Like, they've trained really hard for it. They're big. Their size, adjusted weight shit is all, like, in check. But when you watch a dude like Kincaid, when you watch guys like Michael Mayer, like, you're seeing them on field, they're able to turn really smoothly. They're not someone who, like, needs to think about their athleticism. They just go out there and rip it, which is why I'm not, like, worried about the combine for either of these guys. Uh, And I like both of them off the board, especially as the first two – guys in this class and i'm going with Kayshawn booty at 2-2 lsu wide receiver i am not uh he is my fourth ranked wide receiver in this class which is higher than a lot of people but i do start to see this pendulum swing a little bit towards like you know getting back on board with with mr booty over here he goes uh 54th overall to the chicago bears so he's the wide receiver seven in this class and I think you, you might look at it right away. And for the last, like, bunch of years, you were like, oh, what a shitty landing spot because now you don't have a quarterback throwing to him. Justin Fields does need his wide receiver one. Like, Darnell Mooney's not a wide receiver one. Chase Claypool is not a wide receiver one either. I think Keishan Booty can be, uh without a doubt, like the guy here. And I know he's coming off a down year, but there were a lot of, like, moving parts. And I saw an interesting tweet the other day, actually, that I thought, like, gave a little bit of good good context to where he was. Um I think this might've been it from Chad Forbes. He's a, he's a pretty interesting like draft uh, analyst to follow. Did it feel like he quit on his 2022 LSU team? Yes. Context matters. He's 20 years old and he just had a kid. Um, so I guess they're putting a little bit of like life context behind it. It's like the team's not doing well. Uh, it's 20 years old. He just had a kid. Like, obviously you need to focus on some other things. I could, I could see, I guess where that's coming from. Cause he was so explosive and so awesome as a younger prospect. And it's like most of those times, those kids do not miss at the NFL level. And I just watched someone who's like so well-rounded. He's someone that like – he's like a mini A.J. Brown in a sense. You just – he can rip off the line of scrimmage. You get the ball in his hands and he's making plays afterwards. He's really strong at the catch point. There's nothing that he really does poorly where it's like, okay, you get this kid's head right. You get him into a situation where like the franchise cares about him and his life and him doing well as a person. And he's probably going to translate that onto the football field. So I'm not going to overthink it with Kayshawn Booty. Booty.
1: Yeah, he, he's, he's all over the place, man. Analytics bros love the age adjusted production early on. But then I I did a study last offseason on players that like flashed as freshmen and then kind of tapered off the rest of their college careers, like your Rondell Moores, your, you know, George Pickens from last year, your, um, you know, LaVisca Chenaults and guys like that. And typically those guys did miss at a pretty alarming rate when they like, w- like they got onto the Debbie scene early on as like true freshmen because Boutte had that monster um bowl game or whatever with like 300 yards that uh you know we all kind of remember and then in his sophomore year I think he had like six touchdowns in the first like four games or something like that yeah. so the dude was out, out, out to like a monster start to his career and then he had like an Achilles injury and it kind of plagued him the rest of his sophomore year and then his junior year I mean we hear you know sex parties and like <laughs> had a kid and like attitude yep. problems Brian Kelly's offense there's like so much flying around but I think if we get to the combine and we don't hear any bad character stuff and he tests really well, which he probably will, um, there's a good chance that he's going to be like a second-round pick. And you can talk yourself definitely into this guy being, potentially ending up as the highest-valued fantasy-wide receiver when all is said and done from this class if he hits his ceiling, which, like you said, is kind of like a mini A.J. Brown type of dude.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in him. If I can get him anywhere in the second round, he'll be on most of my teams. I think, like, with – I know you did it with other players as well, but this is something I've come to see – year after year doing like dynasty content with a lot of the players that you mentioned, particularly like the LaVisca Chenaults, the Rondell Moores, those types of dudes are so athletic that it feels like their game plan. The reason they break out so early is because like the game plan and you'll see like most of those guys, end up averaging like 10 yards per catch 11 yards per catch because they're like they're by far they're at a smaller school they're it's their route
1: trees usually they're,
0: they're base, yeah they're basically the best athletes on the team right so it's like we just want to get them the ball in their hands immediately and let them make as many plays as possible so you see a lot of those like really athletic dudes break out really early and some of them continue like Rondell moore continues uh, i mean i guess like he didn't uh, he got hurt a lot but like he got hurt a lot, a lot yeah yeah there are a lot of dudes that like have those young breakouts and then they don't really like excel past that. They continue to have the same yards per reception. They continue to have the same like target numbers because that's like what their offense dictates them doing. So the young breakout age, a lot of it is just dictated by the number of receptions they get. And the yardage is like racked up as a result of the volume they get. So when I look at a player, like someone who broke out as a freshman, like 16.3 yards per reception, he's making bigger plays down the field. I think he kind of puts himself into a different category, especially at LSU in an sec type school. Um, yeah. Just another long winded way of saying I'm, I'm, I'm very much in on the booty.
1: Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, Jalen Rager and Nikhil Harry also fit that description of guys that broke out as, as freshmen and, and decided to taper off. Same with Brian Edwards as well. So th- you, you can be a, a downfield guy and still have it happen. So that's what makes me a little wary of him. But um, if the rest of things checked out, uh, I'll, I'll feel comfortable taking a shot where we're taking a shot here. Zach Charbonnet would definitely be my pick here. I am actually probably should have picked him a little sooner than this. Um, it's kind of I, I see this landing spot fit all the time because like people want to just call him James Conner and now he yeah. goes to replace James Conner presumably in Arizona at sixty seventh overall there. I think he's more dynamic than James Conner personally. I think I see that comp all the time. I think he's going to probably run like low four fives, not like in the four sixes like James Conner did. Um, and I think he's a good enough athlete that you know he can make people miss at a consistent level. And I honestly think for for the bigger backs, I mean, aside from Bijan because he's an alien, but I think he might be the best like big back receiver in the class too.
0: Yeah, he's a. Uh, I I think Kenny McIntosh, depending on whether or not you think McIntosh is a bigger back, like I don't know what he's going to come in at. I think he's listed at like two ten. If he gets into the two fifteen range, McIntosh is an elite receiver in this class. Yeah, Charbonnet is like w- that was the first thing I noticed. I was really surprised to see just how good of a, a natural pass catcher Zach Charbonnet was because you know he's big. You're like, oh, he's the bigger back in this class. Like he's going to run for a lot of yards. He's going to be tough. He's going to be elusive enough. And then he catches a ball like fucking three, four, five times a game, and you're like, man, he looks smooth doing it too. So that was like. It's like I think uh, Hayden Winks tweeted out something the other day. It's like since when do we not like like six one, two hundred twenty pound workhorse running backs that catch the ball? Like why is Charbonnet not getting more hype? And I think I mean I, I think he's getting plenty of hype. I think he'll be like the RB three in most people's classes. I think he continues to fall into the third round, which makes him you know, a little bit less desirable than the Jameer Gibbs is that go in the second round. But Charbonnet, Arizona, uh, James Conner was definitely like the first running back that popped into my head because he's got the size, the speed or the the size, like the explosiveness around the line of scrimmage, can catch the ball, can be a third down player like James Conner's had plenty of productive third down seasons. And in an offense like that, where they love to give the back, you know, the, the goal line work, uh, the upside there is, is like extremely high. So I'm, I'm big on Zach Charbonnet as well. I, and I think his land, landing spot gets really, really interesting because uh, Connor's got one year left on the contract, I think, but I'm, I'm sure by the second half of the year, like they'll start phasing him out.
1: So they can cut him for de- uh, 2 million in dead money after this year. So, and the other thing with Charbonnet that I think NFL coaches are going to like, he led the class in positive play percentage. So basically he was very consistent down to down and EPA per play. So not only can he provide you value on all three downs, he was good in protection and he was consistent. He wasn't like, you know, negative three yard run, half of his plays and then breaking off 60 yard touchdowns. He was going to consistently get you the yards that were there. And I think that, that could result in him being like the third running back off the board, as long as he tests well, because NFL coaches like that stuff, especially if they're like using analytics on their, uh, on their um, draft stuff, like the Browns and stuff, some teams use analytics. And I think the analytics will love Zach sharp
0: Will the analytics love Devon A-Chain?
1: Um, Size-wise, probably not, but um, <laughs> I, my MPH analytics will probably love him.
0: <laughs> We're going to take Devon A-Chain here. I was deciding between him and another player that I don't love and I hated the landing spot even more, but Devon A-Chain does grace us with a second-round presence, 60th overall to the Buffalo Bills. And I said earlier – in the stream that I actually don't love that landing spot for him uh, going to Buffalo because they just use the running back. So infrequently, it's not going to be a goal, a uh, goal line guy. I don't necessarily think he's like a great pass catching running back either. I think he's one of the guys like, sure. If you get him in space, of course, with his speed, he's going to make plays when you do it. Um, but I'd love to see him in the Devin Singletary role where he does a little bit of everything. Will they do that? I don't know. I think he's still under contract. They don't have Zach Moss there, obviously. They also did just draft James Cook last year in the second round. So it's like, how does that play into things? But again, this is an offense that will probably score 27, 28, 29 points per game. So I don't want to overthink it. But I guess my sentiment around the bad landing spot where like A-Chain, I think you know if he does go to the Bills, I think there are a lot of people that will take A-Chain in like the 108. 10- 8 to 111 range there where that's going to be a little bit too premium for me but down here at the 204 205 when you're kind of just like tossing up other second round wide receivers that i don't necessarily love this is where i'd be looking to target him because he is extremely fast he will make big plays in this offense um and they will have some holes for him to run through because of you know what josh allen opens up there so i'll take HN here here two four
1: yeah, I'd be I'd probably be willing to bet that the Bills address running back in free agency because they're a competing team, whether it's spending up for like Barkley or something, or going after even like a Montgomery type for somebody more down to down consistent. I, I don't think I don't think they would be just like, all right, we're gonna just do exactly what we did last year, roll in with yeah. the only guy on our roster right now and draft a second round running back to go with him. I think they kind of recognize that they're um they're in a winning window and they'd probably rather spend their draft capital at wide receiver or something. Um, so I think they'd probably sign a running back most likely. But if this pick happens, obviously this makes some sense. And he probably could have gone even a little bit before this. Um, I feel like the Tennessee Titans are like the, everybody's least favorite landing spot for wide receivers.
0: That's why like I didn't Jalen go. Hyatt
1: with went uh, 42nd overall to the Tennessee Titans in this mock draft. If a receiver is going to go to Tennessee, I do think it should be somebody like Jalen Hyatt, because I, I think that Traylon Burks can eventually develop into a number one wide receiver. So when QJ gets mocked here, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because they're both kind of trail on Berks-y, like both players. So I think Jalen Hyatt, a pure deep threat, a guy that can be a number two receiver in the NFL is Ryan Tannehill long for Tennessee. I have no idea, but he's a good enough quarterback to get the ball downfield. And at one time or another, he was actually one of the better deep passers in the league from like, you know, 2019 to 2021 when he had AJ Brown. So if Hyatt's going to be that big of a, a deep threat at the NFL level and run, you know, he's probably going to rise quite a bit after the combine because he's probably going to run in a low four threes or something like that. Um, I think 42 to the Titans is probably um too low in terms of where he actually goes in the NFL draft. I think he's going to be guaranteed first round pick.
0: Yeah, I'd be shocked if he falls this far. I, I also see, like, honestly, I, I think like Josh Downs makes a lot of sense going to Tennessee where you're getting yeah. like a purified slot wide receiver. I'm a little bit nervous about like, what does Tannehill do after this year? Like, his his contract is up. It it almost feels like the entire, like, their identity is going to be completely swapped, right, because Derrick Henry's contract is up after this year. They're not going to sign him to another, like, big deal, obviously. Then it's like, okay, we're kind of rebuilding from scratch, and it's like, who does Jalen Hyatt get as his passer? And if it's not a good deep passer, then, like, what value does he actually bring to your dynasty team? But it's like, this is the part of the draft where you're like, all right, am I going to take some, like, random third round running back or like random tight end or am I going to take like a, a top 40 guy at wide receiver I think this is pretty much the only pick you can make here
1: yeah things can change quick man the Titans could stink next year and have Caleb Williams or Drake throw on a Jalen Hyatt like you have no Very idea sure. so yeah. I think you take a, a a receiver prospect who has at least a defined skill set and hopefully the the situational factors kind of align for him in the future but I, I think you kind of it, it he has to go at this point
0: This is going to be a little bit of a surprise pick here. Um, And this was the dude that I wrote up for the rookie draft guide. And I was really, really surprised by how much I liked him. Um, And then he goes in the third round to the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Parker Washington out of Penn State. He is um, built like Debo. And he plays a lot like Debo. He is a slot wide receiver that... You get the ball in his hands and he's really good. He's really good at yak, top 12 in terms of like broken tackles, missed tackles, forced, all that kind of stuff. Very elusive, very strong hands. He's right underneath Josh Downs in terms of like contested catch rate. He's not going to be a guy that you put on the outside and make beat, you know, man press coverage. But he broke out early at Penn State. He was competing with Jahan Dotson. He was competing with Pat Firemuth for targets i really really like parker washington i think he's gonna be a player that like he's an under radar player and if he lands in in kansas city where you have basically every wide receiver up for free agency he can be like a one-for-one replacement um for where juju smith schuster was playing in that offense so parker washington down here to kansas city um there's not a lot of like other exciting prospects left on the board but he was a dude that i was i was very very um intrigued by like the skill set that he has, like he knows who he is, you know, he's a really, really strong handed slot wide receiver that you get the ball in his hands. He's going to make plays afterwards. And he's got the size being, you know, 210 pounds. So he can run like a running back when he does have the ball in his hands.
1: Yeah. He's got a like, hopefully he's a good enough athlete. That's the one thing I had concerns with him. Cause like, if he's not, he's more like David Bell than Debo Samuel, which is not something we obviously wanted of a big slot receiver. But I, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty decent landing spot for him and, Whole, wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because they drafted Sky Moore last year uh to, I I mean, ideally replace Juju in the slot or maybe Tony in the, uh, replaces Juju in the slot. It but almost it feels like
0: they're not stuff. like giving up on Sky Moore, but like, I mean, y- you're not playing the dude at all. It almost feels like, okay, time to make, you know, time to make necessary future adjustments here. And it's like, they don't have any receivers to begin with. So they, regardless of how they feel about Sky Moore, even if they're like, we like Sky Moore, we think he's going to play a bigger role. Like they're going to need to pad that position.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Another like third round receiver. Another guy I think will rise after the combine because I think he's going to test. Well is uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. He goes 99th overall to the Cleveland Browns. Um, This would definitely be my pick here Um, at that position uh, for Cleveland. They have not a whole lot uh, long-term like they have Amari Cooper who was good last year. Who's, you know, getting a little up there in age. Donovan Peoples Jones kind of had like a sneaky like fantasy relevant season as well. And then David Bell, who I liked last year, um, you know, felt kind of flat on his face. Probably had one of the worst rookie seasons I've seen from a rookie receiver in a while. Uh, Marvin Mims was a yak God at Oklahoma and his kind of like development got stunted a little bit by like Lincoln Riley leaving and all that kind of stuff. But um, he's kind of like the tank Bigsby of, of wide receivers where like the peripherals look kind of decent. I'm going to be
0: honest with you. Mims is like one of the few players in this class that I'm just out on. I do not like Marvin Mims. I thought his route tree was literally like, you're either throwing him a really deep pass or there was, there's a string of plays. There's a, uh, I put it in my notes where he runs like this, uh, It's not just a a straight like line across, but it's more like up and across like six straight plays in a row. And it's like all he does over and over (laughs) again. So Lincoln Riley, like the system not being there for Marvin Mims to exploit anymore and him not playing well anymore makes a lot of sense to me. I just think his route tree is not there. I think he's like kind of a one trick pony that is not like a good receiver. I don't think he separates well other than like using long speed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how big he is. Two and how well he tests um, because I do think again we're, we're in an area of the draft where you're not going to find bona fide alpha wide receivers anyway so yeah I'll uh, I'll just I guess take a shot on this is where I'd be taking shots on running backs for what it's worth if we had day three draft capital for you know Bigsby and Chase Brown and Tucker and all these dudes I'd probably be taking shots at those guys but for the purpose of this exercise we're not going to go to those players so uh, I'll, I'll take Marvin Mims a guy that I think at least can be a riser from like a draft capital perspective where I think he might actually sneak into round two um teams
0: all out all out there's only one other running back that we haven't drafted yet it was zach evans here at pick 101 goes to new york obviously no one without knowing what's going on with saquon you don't really want to grab a running back there there is one more wide receiver that i do particularly like here um Third-round capital and the landing spot. Uh, the landing spot's actually really shitty. Maybe I pivot off that. Uh, do I want to go with another tight end here? It's still too early, I feel like, for Luke Musgrave. I don't love him enough, but I I think the landing spot in New Orleans and pick 41 is pretty appealing for him. I like Cedric Tillman a lot. I'm a fan of Cedric Tillman's game. He almost reminds me of a uh, a discounted version of... um okay. He is someone who gets off the line. Bigger framed, and he was like the guy everyone was talking about preseason over Jalen Hyatt. He was the guy who, like, had he not suffered an injury, had things knock on a little bit south, like he would have probably gotten first round draft capital this year. I think a lot of people going into the year were looking at him as the wide receiver one for this uh, for this team. And I mean, statistically, he's he's put together a bunch of good seasons. And what I saw in film, I thought was like again a, a a guy who doesn't really like do anything poorly, but he does most things above average. And I think that almost like a Corey Davis type in a sense where it's like, I don't know what the upside really is for a guy like Cedric Tillman, but I like him enough where I feel like you'll be able to use him. If he hits, uh, you know, 60 to 70% of his ceiling, you'll be able to use him as a flex play for uh, a decent amount of time. He does go to Miami here though. And he was the 85th pick. So it's like, where does he actually fit into that offense? And that's why I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't actually take him here. Cause they obviously have Tyreek Hill. They have Jalen Waddle. Um, But, again, maybe it's just like you want pieces of this offense. You want pieces of an offense that are going to score a lot of points, attached to young playmakers, explosive. Like, when you have a good offense, you run a lot of plays, right? Like, you're on the field often. So, it's like maybe that does lead to more pass catching work for a guy like him. One of those guys is out. He becomes wide receiver two there. I'm reaching a lot right now because I don't love the pick, but, you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Peerless Beard said it in the chat. He's like their Josh Palmer, They're like, K.J. Osborne probably of the offense, where you're not – really excited if they're like wide receiver two for your fantasy team but can you use them in like a bye week for like a flex play or something probably so yeah that that one makes a lot of sense I've seen you know some people are very high on Tillman they, they've thrown out like Sutton and Pittman Jr. comps for him and I think I mean he probably has that kind of ceiling I'd want to see how good of an athlete he is I'm not certain that he's a great athlete but if he is I think he can kind of get in that vicinity if he if he develops well so I'll take uh I'll take Rasheed Rice here he went 58th over all the Giants the Giants like they're throwing a me and you out there last season. Uh, yeah. They got nobody at receiver, and Rasheed Rice before the Senior Bowl because he didn't have like the greatest week in Mobile. Um, he was kind of talked up as like the best skill position player there. Um, as far as like draft capital, people were mocking him in the first round, and then um, you know his stock took a little bit of a hit in uh, at the Senior Bowl, starting with his weigh-in. I think he was listed like six foot two, two hundred pounds or something like that. And he's you, watch, of of your, you watch? Did you watch Rice? I did. Yeah. He's more of like your contested catch wide receiver, but he does have a little bit of wiggle to him. So the fact that he weighed and was shorter than expected was a little bit of a, you know, it's like if Devon a chain ran slower than we expected, right? Like if your size and your physicality is part of your calling card and you are smaller than we expected, it's going to hurt you a little bit. So I think Rasheed Rice probably would slide to probably round two, maybe even round three. He's still, yeah, like 6'2", 203. I believe he w- he was 6'195 or something like that, or 199 or something.
0: Yeah, when I watched him, I was like, he just reminds me of, like, uh, not as skilled version of Mike Williams or, uh, you know, yeah. one of those bigger, those bigger wide receivers that, like, one of the only things they really do well is, I mean, he's got like elite body control on the sidelines. He will come down with like crazy oh, yeah. catches, but he won't really do much else outside of that. And it honestly, this kind of would make sense if they, if they don't bring back Darius Slayton, like he could be a deep ball guy that like, that's yeah. his role. You know, he's not going to be the wide receiver one there, but he can make plays for you down the field where you're like, okay, I need a 50 yard fucking pass. I need someone to throw to like 60% chance that Rashi rice comes down with that ball.
1: Yeah, I think the Giants need to draft a receiver earlier than this, man. Like they need a they need a oh, first yeah. round receiver. In my, opinion. Well, I've seen
0: Jackson Smith and Jigba mock to them at twenty five in nearly every other mock that we've.
1: Yeah, at. Addison. I mean, Addison should should be on. If I think he was on the board for them in this mock draft, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, or maybe the Jags sniped him one pick ahead. Uh, either way, I think. I know we're, we're drying up again. If there was running backs to go after at this point in the draft, we'd probably be going after
0: them. Yeah. Again, like this is only three rounds. We've, we've got the mock draft we're working off of link down below. There are no like Hendon Hooker wasn't picked in the first three rounds. We have one running back. We have one wide receiver. So it's forcing me grab Luke Musgrave here. Um, and I say forcing me because I'm not in love with him. I know he's got a lot of hype because of like how athletic um, he's probably going to test out and how crazy he looked at the senior bowl um
1: exactly what you said he look he's very athletic in a straight line but but like what
0: what do we got going on here i know he like hasn't he's ran as many routes as like games fucking played and is the year that he played 10 games in came up with 22 uh 22 receptions like i know this is just box score reading but that tells me enough and like if you want to project athleticism into a fantasy tight end you could look at almost every fucking tight end that's come out in the last five, 10, 15 years. Like there's so many tight ends that just like we take shots on because they're athletic very few of them actually work out in the sense of like, okay, they didn't produce at all in college. Like, that that's a big red flag to me. I do like the landing spot, though, because you go to the New Orleans Saints where like they're obviously recouping themselves as just a franchise in like a passing sense. Like maybe they bring in Derek Carr and maybe they bring in a veteran quarterback where it's like the passing game automatically gets elevated. That'd be interesting because they don't have a lot of weapons out there. They have a lave and it's like, I don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas, but a tight end here could become like a, a key role player like immediately. So I think it's kind of interesting, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Musgrave, I wasn't a huge fan of either. I, the numbers right. tell me that he's not somebody... I, like, I mean, obviously, if he gets drafted round two, 41st overall, I'm mean, going to need to pay attention to him to mo- for the most part. But he's, like, the type of profile you're talking about, like, great athlete, no production, is, like, Dawson Knox minus the target competition from all Miss that Dawson Knox had to deal with. With, yeah. uh, you know, AJB and Metcalf and Elijah Moore and all the dudes that were there. So, I mean, Musgrave had, like, nobody to compete for targets with and still wasn't productive. So, I, I probably... Going to pass. I'm actually going to take uh Darnell Washington, who went 48th overall to the commanders. Uh, one of these dudes that's probably better in real life than in fantasy because he is a, a, a hulking, like six foot seven, two hundred and seventy-pound tight end who's learning the position as a pass catcher. He is gonna test well enough that you can get excited about how he can produce as a pass catcher. And of course, he had a pretty viable reason for not getting on the field and getting targets at Georgia with Brock Bowers and Uh, Arik Gilbert and all the other tight ends that they have at that school. But Darnell Washington's value to an NFL team will come as a blocker. So he's probably not going to run a shit ton of routes. And that's probably going to cause people to give up on him quickly, which usually is the case with tight ends. If they don't produce year one, suddenly they're, you know, 18th round startup picks or something like that. So (laughs) Darnell Washington, probably not a guy that I would be stoked to reach on. If he slides to me at value, I'll probably take him, but that's probably where I'm going to be at with him.
0: Yeah, he's literally just like a tree. It's out of control. But he did make some plays for Georgia this year. And like you said, you know, behind Brock Bowers, he's a consensus tight end one for next year. It's like, what are you really going to do in that offense? So uh, he will be a better player in the NFL for a team than he likely will be for your fantasy team. There are no good fantasy options left on the board right now. I'll tell you one that did kind of surprise me, Tanner McKee here. He's a quarterback for Stanford. He's one of the guys I wrote up for the rookie draft guide. Weirdly accurate, like short, medium. If when he starts throwing the ball deep though, terrible, uh, he could be like a game manager, but I can't imagine them not trying to link Gino for like at least another couple of years to see what they have there. So I don't really want to go that way. You you go with Nat Dell, who's like uh, you know, 112 pounds, Zach Evans are we gonna fade
1: Zach Evans into oblivion here or what?
0: No, I'm gonna take Zach Evans here just probably because I don't have another choice. But like if Saquon's back there, what are you gonna do with Zach Evans? Nothing. I mean if he's not, maybe Zach Evans becomes I mean, if Saquon's not back there, they're going to sign someone else through free agency. Maybe they go earlier in the draft with a running back. I don't think Zach Evans at the end of the third round is like the way that they plug that hole if Saquon leaves, but Zach Evans is a dude that uh, I saw good. And I saw bad. I feel like on film, I saw like many times that there were wide open holes that he just decided to say, fuck it. I want to run at defenders instead of take the holes. I think he's a downhill runner that can like really bring some explosiveness to an offense. And he's got the size and uh, there are other people like Noah on the channel, love Zach Evans. There are other people that I saw. I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah had Zach Evans' RB3 in this class, a so very, very high really? film grade. Yeah, right behind Bijan, Jamar Gibbs. And then, oh, wait, it was Bijan uh, might not even been Gibbs at two. I can't remember who's at two, but I think Zach Evans was number three. So he had him really high, uh, really good prospect coming out of high school, obviously, and <clears throat> uh, didn't necessarily live up to that immediately uh, before transferring over to Ole Miss uh, because Kendry Miller is at TCU. But um, you know he's he's kind of like a, a tough prospect to really really zone in on and see what he's going to do at the next level because I don't know if there's a lot of teams that are going to give him a three down roll. He's probably better in the in the early downs.
1: Yeah, watch what you say about Zach Evans, man. He's the he's the uh, the dynasty Twitter darling that you're not allowed to speak ill of. But you know what? He went one hundred one. Feels like that's uh, it every fucking
0: player, bro. That's every yeah, player It just happened knew. to
1: be pick one hundred one, not actually the one hundred one in the draft. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Zach Evans is like Daryl Henderson plus, in my opinion. Like, he's better than Daryl Henderson was as a prospect, but he can run really fast in a straight line and break tackles. That's like his best two attributes, in my opinion. He's not going to win with elusiveness a whole lot. Like, he's he's got ball carrier moves in his repertoire, but he defaults to either going through you or going around you most of the time. And I also, like, like you said, saw some rushing acumen kind of concerns with him where he's going to miss holes from time to time. And there's a reason you know, he transferred away because Kendra Miller wasn't like an elite prospect until this year. And Quinchon Judkins was absolutely the better running back than, uh, than Zach Evans, who's going to probably be a top two running back in the 2025 class as a true freshman this year, he looked much better than Zach Evans did. So Evans is interesting, man. He's going to probably go around this range of the draft third round, fourth round, and people are going to probably reach on him because he's a dynasty darling, but, uh, I'll probably let other people draft him for the most part.
0: Yeah, and he again, he's not going to be um, testing at the combine because I think he had a, a hamstring injury or something just before him and Dwayne McBride. So we did not, we're not going to be able to see his athleticism, which is hampering and will affect his draft capital most likely. Maybe I mean, I guess we'll see him at the pro days, hopefully like a month or so after that. But that is the uh, the final big board. We'll run it through starting at the one hundred and one. Bijan Robinson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Jameer Gibbs, Will Levis, Jordan Addison. Quentin Johnson at the 108, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Dalton Kincaid. So like as opposed to previous years, I feel like this, this class kind of dips off rather quickly. Obviously, there's a lot still left at the combine in the NFL draft, capital athleticism. But like Zay Flowers feels like where the tier drops off, and you're like, ah, man, I don't really feel great about my picks anymore. They're all kind of like anyone from 110 down to like 205, kind of the same tier for me. So Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Dalton Kincaid wraps up the first round. 201 stars off of Michael Mayer, Kayshawn Butte, Zach Charbonnet, Devonta Chain, Jalen Hyatt, Parker Washington, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, Rashi Rice, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, Zach Evans, 24 picks down. We'll have a lot more information by the time next Monday comes around. Any uh recap thoughts of the of the board?
1: Yeah, I would say if you guys hold 110s, 11s, 112s, 201s, like those type of picks, you are praying for some outstanding combine performances that improve the draft capital of some of these running backs. Like you're praying that Zach Charbonnet goes out and runs like a four, four, eight or something like that at 222 pounds. You're praying that Sean Tucker lights up a four, three, eight at the combine. You're praying that, you know, um, Chase Brown runs, like any, whatever running back tank, Bigsby, whatever, you know, prospects. Cause the, the reason that this looks so bad is because we couldn't draft these fourth through seventh round players. That didn't get drafted in these mock drafts. And for those guys to go higher, whether you like Miller, whether you like Bigsby, Tucker, whoever it is, they're gonna need to test well, unfortunately, because NFL teams are gonna value that, even though we, you know, probably think it shouldn't make that much of a difference. They're gonna, you know, if they see Kendra Miller run a four, six, seven, they're probably not gonna draft him until round five. And vice versa. If if runs Bigs, Bigsby runs four, four, six or something, he might move up the board.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the running back athleticism is gonna be a big mover because most of them are going to end up in the third or fourth round uh wide receiver for us is going to be landing spots you know it's like do they do these guys land in tennessee do they land in chicago do they land in miami or do they land in kansas city or do they land in uh, on the new york giants they land in those spots where it's like more of a premier landing spots and these like middle round guys might get a little more appetizing to us so there's this big string of questions that leave those like middle round gaps uh pretty agape there um so we will Wrap up the video here. This was a long one. We're an hour and 15 deep. Two rounds. We broke it down for you. Make sure that you are following my man, Corey, over at the Fantasy Football Stock Exchange. We've got their YouTube channel linked. We've got his Twitter link, so go follow him as well. We've got the BDGE Rookie Draft Guide available for pre-order right now. Actually, let me show you the page Fuck it. while we're here.
1: Yeah, TJ. We didn't draft the running backs because they were not in the three-round mock that we were basing this on. Just because of some discourse in the comments, why did we draft them?
0: Pre-order, got it for a discount right now. We got the rankings. Noah's got a bunch of his uh, his numbers up in there that will be uh, dropping soon as well. We've we we've brought we brought our best for it. All right, and Corey's brought his best for the rookie profiles that he wrote up. Make sure you go follow him on the socials, and uh, and that's gonna be it for today. Corey, thank you for joining us, my man.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Had a lot of fun breaking these guys down. Hopefully we get a seven rounder so, uh, soon so we can actually talk about some of these guys or hopefully the combine gives us more clarity on some of these dudes too.
0: Bro, if we have a full seven rounds to work off of and we're going three or four rounds deep in the rookie mock, we're going to be here. It's it's going to be a movie. It's going to be a movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. Uh, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, hit the thumbs up button, all that YouTube shit. See you later.